Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Well, I want to talk to you uh, again about pressing into a deeper walk with the Lord. And I really believe, uh, first of all, let me just set the context. I believe that we're coming into a time right now that uh, we're going to have to be strong in the things of God. We're not going to be able to be a, a, a weak Christian or a weak church because we're coming into a time of change. Things are shaking. I, I think we're coming out of a period of time, if I could almost say that, uh, where the church has sort of been on cruise control, everything's been good, everything's been wonderful and blessings and so forth, but now we're coming into a pretty serious time. I feel like the Lord is saying, you're going to come into a deep time uh, 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 walking with the Lord, and God wants you to be strong. If you could just turn me down just a little bit, please. Um, and all of this is going to be marked by a, a deeper understanding of the kingdom of God. And so we're coming into a tumultuous time. But I want you to understand the church is not going to be sidelined. The church is going to be front and center. We're, we're not going to be, uh, you know, a player. We're going to be in the very center of this thing. I believe that not just the church but individual Christians, you're going to have to have a solid, secure, strong, steadfast Christianity and you're going to have to be a, a, a person who has a deep understanding of the kingdom of God because anything that can be shaken is going to shake. And I really believe that uh, we're, we're in that time. And right now, the church is not going to be sidelined. I almost think like sometimes this pandemic was meant by the devil to try to shut the church down and shut it up and put it to the side and just kind of close it down and that kind of thing. But you know, what he meant for evil, God is going to use to strengthen us. But I believe that the time is perfect where God is saying, listen, you've, you've had enough of uh, the cruise control. You're going to now start to step into something deeper. And I pray that, uh, that uh, those that want an excuse to be weaker, you've got an excuse. But those that want to be stronger in the things of God, now is the time. And so I, I believe that the church is going to be strong. But I believe it's going to be led by strong people, strong leaders, strong pastors, but it's going to be filled with strong people, strong Christians, people that know and understand the kingdom of God. And so we're not going to be scared. We're not going to be timid. We're not going to be weak. We're not going to be waffles. We're going to be people that understand the deeper things of God, the deep ways of the kingdom of God. And I just want to announce to you and to me, it's time to grow up. It is time for us to know the things of God, to walk in the things of God, Come hell or high water, come circumstances and situations, come all kinds of weirdness or whatever, it's time for us to grow up and to be strong. And, you know, uh, our, our, our spiritual life is very similar to how the natural things work. Like when, when a, a child is first born, when it's just a baby, the baby is held all the time and it's, it's, it's coddled and it's, it's um, you know, any little cry, any little whimper and and God's right there to take care of you and so forth. But guess what? As you, begin to, as you begin to grow up a little bit, God starts to put you down and he says, now I want you to walk. I want you to start to take some steps. And this is a confusing time for a lot of Christians because they say, where's God? Where is God? You know, normally he's right here. Normally I feel him. I, I, I only have to whimper and, you know, I can feel the presence of God. Well, that period of time is like a little bit of a honeymoon, but it goes away. Because God is saying, listen, you're going to start to walk. And, and, and as a toddler, you start to stumble, you start to walk a little bit, but you start to get used to it. What's, what's not good is if you just stand there and put your hands out and, and, 
and then sit down. And you're going to wait for God to now move you along. God's not going to do that. God is going to cause you to walk in faith. Now, if you're a teenager and you still have poopy diapers, there's a problem. There's a problem in the kingdom of God. Because, you know, throughout the Bible, we're, we're counseled to press in, to grow, to get stronger, to become overcomers, to understand the ways of faith and the ways of God. And so I really believe that now is a time where we're going to have to seek God. We're going to have to pursue the Lord. We're going to have to know Him on a deeper level. And we're going to have to know His Word. And I just want to, I just want to uh, encourage you that God has already given us the keys of truth, the keys to succeed, the keys to be strong in the pages of the book. But they're not just going to land in your lap, Christian. And, and the other thing, too, is your pastor is not going to force feed you. You, you have to dig out the things of God. And, and uh, it's not just about showing up. We have to, we have to grow up. It's not enough to just show up. We've got to grow up. And so Paul, I believe Paul's a writer of Hebrews, Paul writes to the Jewish Christians in the early church, he writes to them in, in the letter to the Hebrews that this is something that they need to do. They need to start to understand that just kind of um, playing patty cakes as a Christian and, and, and operating in the ways of the world, which is all filled with urges and emotions and you know, up days and down days and so forth, is not enough. And Paul, obviously, is a very serious teacher of the word. He says this, in chapter 5, Hebrews 5, and in verse 13, anyone who lives on milk. Now, Paul is, is, is counseling the, the Hebrew church that you cannot stay a baby. You cannot stay an infant. And he's saying anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted. You're not equipped. You're not uh, trained and, and strong with the teaching about righteousness. In other words, you don't really know how the kingdom of God operates. You don't really know about uh, the whole way of righteousness, the ways of God, because you're still drinking milk. But solid food, and the King James says strong meat, strong meat is for the mature. And I pray that God is calling us to grow up, to become mature, to understand the principles of God, to know how to walk, to know how to hear Him, to know how to respond in the kingdom of God. And so, solid food, strong meat, is not for the baby. It's for the mature, who by constant use... Now, I want you to look at this because this is how God teaches us. God teaches us by constant use. In other words, He teaches you about forgiveness, but then He teaches you about forgiveness again on a deeper level. Then He teaches you again on an even deeper level. And he teaches you again. And so God does this with faith, with, with honor, with unity, with, with all the different principles that he wants to teach us in the word of God. He, he begins to, by circumstances and, and by experience, we begin to understand by constant use, we've trained ourselves through our, 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 our senses. We've exercised our senses to distinguish or to discern good from evil. Now, th this... Actually, the word here is uh, about, about the senses, like the five senses. We've trained ourselves to be able to smell, to, to feel, to sense, to, to hear. And, um, and uh, if you're mature, you know how to hear God. You know how to sense the Lord. You know when he's speaking to you, when he's tugging at you, when he's moving you away and, 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 and maybe pulling you back or whatever. You know how God's beginning to speak to you. I remember... Some time ago, uh, some people were telling me about this book. 
It was very popular at the time, and it was calling into question all the different uh, gifts of the Spirit and how the Holy Spirit moves and how the Holy Spirit acts and all that other stuff. And what they were saying to me is, did you read this book? Did you read this book? Because I'm telling you, I read it, and I'll tell you, I don't know now. I'm just thinking, you know, I, I used to think this, and now I don't know what to think, and now I think that, and now they said this, and now I don't know. But did you read that book? And I said, well, you know what? Let me check it out. Let me, let me, let me read the book, get the book, and, and read it and so forth. And for about three weeks or so, it sat on my nightstand, and um, I was trying to get to it and trying to get to it, and I, I never got to it. But what, what was interesting, what happened to me, is one morning, I opened my eyes, my head was on my pillow, I opened my eyes, and I looked at the uh, uh, book on my nightstand, and I heard the Lord say to me, that book has a spirit of confusion on it, which was kind of crazy because I was not thinking like that or, or anything about the book. I just woke up. It's funny that God speaks to you a lot of times when you just, just wake up. Isn't that true? God has your attention at 3 a.m., I guess, <laughs> 6 a.m., but that book has a spirit of confusion on it. I have never heard that before, but I instantly could tell that's what's on those people. I didn't know this, now I thought that, and then I didn't know this, now you've got to read that book, and I didn't know it. And, all, and, and I, I, God shut it down for me because my senses were exercised to be able to discern good from evil. What, what, what is a spirit of confusion? I don't want it. I never cracked the book. I never opened it. I took the book. I tossed it, and I just let people know Here's what I feel like God told me. The book has a spirit of confusion on it. And every person I know that got deep into that stupid book ended up getting all squirrely for the next two years in their Christianity because, because they probably didn't have enough sense to run away from stuff that was calling all kinds of things into question. Let me just qualify this, though, by saying that um, some people say that they heard, God's, they heard God say this, now God told me that, now God told me this. Then God told me, put the toast in the toaster, and then God told me, get the butter out, and then God told me, don't go over to the fridge. And, and I, I let people know, look, that's not God. That might be you just wanting to think that you're hearing from God or impressing everybody by how much God actually and you are, are close friends. But in fact, uh, it takes faith to walk with the Lord. And so he's not always telling you everything to do. It takes faith. And so you have to understand these are the principles that are in God's word and you have to exercise them by faith. Now, does God speak to you? Can you hear his voice? Are your senses exercised? Yes, but is God talking to you every minute of the day? Like some people try to say, God told me this, God told me that, God told me that. You think or you believe God told you something, but let's not go overboard because <laughs> that opens the door for all kinds of crazy things. Anyway, it goes on in the next chapter and this the uh, sentence or the paragraph actually continues where Paul says this, therefore let us leave the elementary teaches, teachings about Christ, elementary, the very basic things about Christ, and go on to maturity. And, and, and this, is the, this is the counsel of Paul over and over and over again in Scripture to go on to something deeper. Go on, move past the elementary things, move past the infancy, move past the little um, urges and, and, and things that you used to run by uh, in your former way of living. Move into something mature, not laying against the foundation. Now, these are the foundation truths that we see in the book of Hebrews. There's six of them. Of repentance from acts that lead to death. We know that. The Bible says that you repent from sin. sin. Wages of sin is death. So the foundation of repentance, which repentance, you know, we think that this is just a, we might even pass over this. But it's very awesome teaching about repentance and, you know, that there's so many different phases to what repentance really is. I mean, there's, there's the recognizing and the confession and the 
asking forgiveness and there's the sorrow aspect of it. You can't repent if you don't have sorrow. There's the turning around. And there's even the, the, the reciprocation. If there's something that you've done wrong, go undo that thing. You know, if there's someone that you've done wrong to, you go undo it. So there's a lot there in, in repentance. And a faith in God of instructions about baptisms, baptisms in water, baptism in the Holy Spirit. You know, the Bible talks about us being baptized in fire and the Holy Spirit. The laying on of hands. Um, foundational principles, talking about the laying on of hands. You know, the laying on of hands, it's, uh, it's in the New Testament where these gifts are imparted through Paul the Apostle through the laying on of hands. Jesus imparted gifts of healing through the laying on of hands. He touched the leper. He touched the blind person. And so it's the laying on of hands. But it actually has its roots in, uh, in the uh, book of Genesis where we see the laying on of hands. The Jews understood this whole concept of the laying on of hands because they see it in the patriarchs. In fact, there's an interesting story about um, um, Joseph. You know, he was in Egypt all those years. He actually became like second in command to the king. So he's a big man on campus, but he has two sons, uh, Ephraim and, and, and Manasseh. And Manasseh was the oldest son. But he brought his two sons to his father, Jacob. Jacob's about to pass away. And Jacob says, let me lay my hands on them and bless them. And so Joseph, his son, brings the two grandsons before Jacob. Really cool scene. But what Jacob does, he, Joseph places them before Jacob so that the oldest son has Jacob's right hand uh, there, and his, his other son on this side, the younger son, uh, Ephraim. But Jacob crosses his hands, and he lays his right hand on Ephraim and his left hand on Manasseh. And, and Joseph says, no, 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 uh, Father, uh, Manasseh is the older one. He says, I understand. He said, I know. But the older will serve the younger. And so he crossed his hands and prayed for them like that. So powerful is the laying on of hands. Joseph knew it, and Jacob knew it. In fact, Jacob had his hands laid on him by his father Isaac. If you look throughout Scripture, you can see that there's this powerful understanding of what covering is, of what authority is. See, nowadays in the church, we, we, we're all over the place. We're not that strong. We're not that stable. But, but do we even have a covering? Do we even have someone that has authority in your life? See, I, I believe that the church is not just a place. It is a place of authority that God provides for you to be able to come into this place and under the covering of leaders and elders and, and, and uh, teachers and pastors to be able to have a, a, a supernatural covering over your life and to have hands laid on you and to have somebody that you actually are accountable to. It's very, very powerful. Paul the Apostle is trying to say to the church, we're going to move on from these things. We under, already understand what it is to have covering. We already understand what it is to walk in authority, walk in submission and so forth. But So this is very, very powerful. He's saying that this is the foundation, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, uh, talking about what happens at the end, and the eternal judgment. Laying not again the foundation of understanding about eternal judgment. Do you know that almost every single revival throughout history has had this as a major theme, is that there's such a thing as eternal judgment. Every single person will stand before God and be judged. And this causes the fear of God. Nowadays, you almost never hear about this because we, we have kind of 
moved into other things. You just want to hear about the, the softer things of the gospel. But I believe that God is saying, no, no, you're going you're to move on, but you have to have the foundation of this. It has to be solid. It has to be strong in your life. And so God wants us to uh, walk with, a, with a, a strength. God wants us to walk with a deep understanding of the kingdom of God. He wants us to have wisdom. He wants us to have strength. He wants us to understand grace and all these different foundational truths. You know, a, a powerful church is filled with powerful people. It's not a powerful church just because it says it is. It has to be filled with strong people. It has to be filled with people that are mature. They know about prayer. They know about prophecy. They know about the things of God. They know about the altar. They know about deliverance. They know about the laying on of hands. A powerful church is filled with powerful men and women. It's not just the leader. It's not just the, the, the governmental system in the church. No, no, it's, it's the church. It's the people of the church. And so uh, if we're going to have a church that is powerful in prayer, it's going to be because there are people in the church that are powerful in prayer. And they just don't have a surface understanding about prayer. They've dug deep into what prayer is. They've got a deep understanding of what prayer is. And that's why when they pray, they can shake uh, earth and heaven. An unstoppable people, a, a miracle-working people. A miracle-working church has miracle-working people in it. An unstoppable church has unstoppable people in it. And so a, a church can't be mighty if it's filled with people that are still drinking milk. A church can't be strong. A church can't be powerful and effective if it's filled with people that only want to know about milk. Again, it's not enough to just show up. You've got to grow up. Maybe that should have been the title of this message. It has a little bit more pizzazz there. <laughs> but did you know that every single circumstance that comes your way, whether it's a global circumstance or something that's more personal, but every single circumstance... God is, God is in that circumstance to show you how to operate in a new truth or, or, or in a deeper truth. God is not allowing circumstances to come into your life where you have no answer. God is allowing these things to come into your life so that that cycle of understanding the truth of the Lord gets deeper and deeper. You understand these are the principles I need to operate in. They might not be the principles that I feel right on the top of my head or right in, in my emotions, but they are in the Word of God. And I have to trust the word of God. And so uh, if, my, if my faith is going to grow stronger and my fear is going to grow weaker, I have to understand what are the principles of faith? Because fear is trying to come on me. Anger is trying to come on me. But, uh, 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 retribution and revenge and, and, and you know, offense and gossip and criticism trying to come on me. But guess what? There's, there are other principles, principles of unity, of grace, of blessing your enemy, bless those that curse you. There are other principles that God teaches me I need to be able to operate in because I'm not going to be uh, shook. I'm not going to be knocked down every other day. And so the Bible warns us over and over again. If we look into the Old Testament, we can see time after time after time where the, 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 the Old Testament is filled with people that, that um, wavered from the principles of God. And God shows us, okay, that's not how to walk. And then we see in the New Testament, we were warned over and over and over again by Paul the Apostle, even Jesus, over and over and over again, you must grow up. You have to grow up. Look at this verse in Matthew, the 13th chapter. It says this, uh, the one who received the seed, Jesus talking about the sower went out to sow, 
and all these seeds didn't prosper. The seed that got uh, uh, by the side of the path, the seed that was sown among the rocks, the seed that was uh, sown out in the middle of the path that had the sun beating down on it. But look, at he says this. The one who received the seed that fell on the rocky place is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. And I know a lot of people. They love church. They love to receive the word. They love to have joy. But, but because there is no root, he lasts only a short time. When, not if, when trouble or persecution comes because of the word. And I'll tell you, if you're going to walk in the things of God, you are going to have your share of persecution. You're going to have your share of trouble that's going to come your way. But I pray that you're unshakable. I pray that you're deep. I pray that you know the, the things of uh, the kingdom of God and that you are able to exercise these principles that are a bit deeper than just the uh, surface urges that you have in your emotions. When trouble or persecution comes because of the, because of the word, he quickly falls away. And this is a Greek word, um, scandalizo, and we get the word scandal from it. And uh, it, it basically is saying you're, you're quickly scandalized. You quickly are, are offended. You drop. You were doing good. You came with joy. You began to uh, uh, move in the things of God. But what happens is as soon as a little bit of persecution comes because you have no root. And, and I pray that we're going to be stronger than, than to just not be able to withstand a little bit of persecution. Now, Paul the Apostle uh, is warning over and over again in every single one of his letters. He warns us, grow deeper. He says in one of his letters, I'm struggling that you might know the deeper things of God. I'm laboring and struggling within me to try to get you to understand we must press into the deeper things of God. He's saying this to the church in Corinth, and he says, um, you know, we, we didn't come to you with excellence of speech, but we did come uh, with a message of wisdom among the mature. It's not that we don't know the deeper things. We do. I didn't come speaking these deep, profound mysteries to you. I came talking to you about Jesus Christ and Him crucified and the demonstration of power, but we do speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom. And, and the reason that the, the Bible calls God's wisdom secret wisdom throughout the Scriptures is because it's hidden. You have to unearth it. You have to dig for it. It's not going to land in your lap. It's not going to hit you in your emotions. It's not going to hit you in your, in your head. You have to search deep into the things of God in order to find out that, that, that there is, a, if there is a, wisdom, a wisdom there, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before, the, before time began. God wants us to know, I've put in here the principles that you, you've got to learn them. You know, it's, like, it's like if you went to a foreign country You'd have to learn that language. You'd have to learn those laws. You'd have to learn the culture. You're either going to learn it and, and, and grow in it, or you're always going to be kind of clunky in that foreign country. You don't know the rules. You don't know the laws. You don't know. And what makes it worse for Christians, or even what makes it bad for people you know, work, work, walk, walking in the supernatural, is that the supernatural is upside down to the natural. Give and you receive. Bless those that curse you. It, it, there's, there are principles that do not, they're not intuitive to the mind. 
In fact, they're, they're, they're counterintuitive, and we have to understand them. We have to begin to learn them. We have to begin to use them and constantly use them in order to get them to, to process into our, our, our lives, dig a rut, dig, a, dig, a, dig a, a good groove into our lives so it becomes our DNA. Because otherwise, it's like going to a foreign land and not knowing any of the rules, not knowing any of the principles. Wash other people's feet. Rejoice in every tribulation. Rejoice in your trials. That's not an easy thing to understand. But as we begin to understand the ways of God and walk with God, it becomes uh, more and more apparent to us that the trials are our are boot camp for us to learn something deeper in the things of God. Our faith doesn't break, it's stretched. Our faith doesn't break, it gets stronger. We don't collapse we don't get offended. We don't get scandalized. In fact, we press on. And, and where we do fail, we ask God for forgiveness and strength. Let his grace come and pick me up again. Let me go again, God. Let there be a constant use. Teach me again, Lord. When I was afraid about my finances and I got filled with fear, Lord, I did all the wrong things, but I ask you, God, forgive me. And, and let me be tested again, God. Show me again, God, that I need to give in order to receive. I need to, I need to give my way out of this situation. And how about um, the deeper truths of, of Scripture? Paul says, let's move on. But how about the deeper truths of honor, unity, prayer, worship? Now, I, I pray that, that, that people don't just skip over prayer, but they begin to, especially people that are in the prayer ministry, they understand the deeper things of prayer. God, show me. Show me. I remember I used to pray with uh, people that, uh, that uh, were s such awesome prayer warriors. And I remember praying with them. And as you would pray and you'd be circled up and so forth, they, they would be squinting their eyes. They were trying to see something. God, show me what's wrong here, Lord. Is there something that needs to be fixed or corrected, God? And they would almost squint with their eyes. They were trying to see. And I said, you know, when I pray, I've never tried to see like that. But I learned, you know something? I'm not just going to pray words. I'm going to actually engage my spirit man to say, God, as I'm asking you, Lord, show me. Show me, God, what it is. I, I, I need to see what's the key to unlock this thing, God. Is there, is there a place where I need to repent, God? Is there a place that need, I need to forgive someone? Is there something that, that, that is, is causing there to be a blockage here, God? Show me, I pray. And so we learn. Deeper things about prophecy. Deeper things about the Word of God. Deeper things about uh, unity. You know, uh, it, 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 like I said, these things are all in the Old Testament. If you read about uh, when David came uh, dancing before the Ark of the Lord, it's such a powerful section of, of Scripture that teaches us about worship, what it means to be undignified. You know, you know human beings are constantly trying to be dignified, here David is dancing in an undignified way before the ark of the Lord, just kind of flailing and, and shouting and jumping up and down, and he's the king. The king's not supposed to do that. You're supposed to sit in your royal robes and appreciate everybody else. Here, you dance, and you dance, and I'll just, I'll spectate. No, David was dancing, but his wife, Saul's daughter, was sitting in an upper room looking out the window. And she saw David dancing like that, in, in almost in an undignified, humiliating way for the king. And it offended her. And so she mocked 
David. She mocked him. And if you read the Bible, it says, from then on, David never went into her again. She, in essence, became a living widow or a living barren person. No more fruit ever would come to her womb because there was a mocking of, of the deep things of God. There was a mocking of worship, not, not understanding that this is something between God's servant and the Lord himself. Worship is a very deep, powerful thing. A lot of times we might not understand everything, but ask God to show you. Grow in it. Grow in a deeper and deeper expression of what worship is. Don't just camp on the surface. Somebody else wrote these words. Somebody else put a melody to it. I just spectate. I will just parrot it out. No, no. Let your spirit make it your own. Begin to worship God. You know, the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. It doesn't have to just be at church. It can be in your car. But it has to be real. What's real? What's powerful? What's authentic worship from my heart? God as though you're right here before me, and you are. Let me worship you, Lord. And so to understand the deeper things of worship or the deeper things of honor. You know, uh, the Bible says honor your father and mother. There's a, there's a story in, uh, in uh, Genesis where Noah, the Bible says, he planted a vineyard and he grew some grapes and he had some wine and it caused him to become drunk. And so his son Ham walked into his tent in the morning and he saw his father lying there drunk with no clothes on. And so Ham went out and he told his two brothers, dad's in there and he's naked. And the brothers, because they honored their father, they took the, they took the uh, blanket and they put it over their shoulders and they walked into the tent backwards and they put the blanket over their father. Later on, when the father got up, when Noah got up, he, he, he praised the two sons for what they did because they didn't dishonor him. The other son exposed the sin of, of, of Noah and he, he pronounced a curse over Ham. And, and if you follow the, the lineage of Ham throughout the Bible, you can see that that curse was never removed. What is that? It's, it's a it's an example for us to see that there are deep principles of honor that God does not violate. You know, God's not an Old Testament God or a New Testament God. He's God all the time. And what he shows us in the Old Testament, he amens in the New Testament. And so we have to understand, as I look through these different things, you know, think about Miriam. Miriam questioned the authority of her brother Moses. Now, Moses was her brother. But Miriam said, is Moses the only one that hears from God? Like, is he the only one that hears from God? And the Bible says she became leprous, white as snow. She was covered with leprosy because it offended God. The Bible says it, it, God heard it. It offended God that she would come against the person he had picked to lead Israel out of Egypt. And here she is... Uh, calling his authority or, or who he was as a person, as a leader, into question. And so these things are powerful principles that we have to understand. Remember in the Old Testament where David would, he cut off the corner of Saul's robe when, when Saul was in the cave and he had hung his robe up. David cut the corner of it off just to let Saul know, I could have killed you. And the Bible says that the Lord smote David's heart, convicted him that you have dishonored the king. The king was coming to kill me. Yeah, but you don't, you don't dishonor the king. There are such powerful principles that God wants us to live by. They're in the book. 
but we're not going to learn them just by coming to church once in a while or just by singing some songs someone else wrote. We need to have a deep walk with the Lord. And I believe we're coming into the days where the church is going to be powerful, it's going to be strong, it's going to be unshakable because it's going to be filled with people that are serious uh, and have a deep understanding of the kingdom of God. Let me go to one last verse here in 2 Peter. Here's the apostle, and he's telling us this. For this very reason, make every effort. Make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge. And, 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 and here's the word add. Multiply this thing. Pile it on. Line upon line. More than just a little, but add it on to goodness and goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control. And add to self-control perseverance. And to perseverance add godliness. And to godliness add brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness add love. And then he says this. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, remember we talked about the cycle, the cycle of constant use in increasing measure. So perseverance in increasing measure, faith in increasing measure, brotherly kindness in increasing measure. Circumstance after circumstance, God will bring into your life so that you go deeper into the principles of God's word, deeper into the principles of the ways of God, increasing measure. And if they do that, they will keep you from being ineffective, and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that the church is not ineffective and unproductive. I pray that it's not scattered. I pray that it's not weak. I pray that it's not uh, every, little, every little piece of paper. They can't jump over it. Every little, you know, uh, uh, I, I talk to myself this way. I hope you don't mind me talking to you this way. Because I believe God wants me to be um, unshakable. I think he wants me to be strong. I think he wants me to be, to be more than, an, than a, a conqueror. God wants me to be strong in this thing, but it's not going to be because I, I fold every time there's a little a gust of wind where I'm like a reed that is bent by the wind all the time. No, God wants us to be strong. I believe God wants a strong church. I believe that we're coming into some days where the church is going to be at the very center of things, and I pray it's where miracles are happening. So, so, so uh, regardless of what uh, society is saying, people are running to the church because they know in there is there's healing. In there, there's the knowledge of God. In there is the blessings of God. In there is the very hand and the spirit of God. The manifest presence of God is in the house of the Lord in these very uncertain times, these very uncertain days. So I want to pray for you. I want to pray that, that uh, God would use this word to convict you, to just continue to press in to know the Word, to know the things of God, to ask God to show you the deeper truths. Let me just give you one practical tip here. Make sure you have a Bible that's yours, that's not a thin line like this. I just have a thin line here because it's easier to take to church. But you need an actual working Bible that you can write in and you can highlight and you can circle words and you can write notes in there and, and prayers and so forth. It's a working Bible. My, my mother... Uh, gave me her Bible. As, as she passed away, she handed her Bible over to me, and, and she had her mother's Bible. Her mother's Bible was filled every single page with all kinds of light, uh, writings and notes and, and highlights and so forth, and then my mother's Bible was the same way. I pray that I'm able to hand my Bible on, and it's filled with other, uh, uh, you know, just, just nuggets of wisdom and different things that God has given to me and shown to me that I've written in the margins, I will pass that on as well. I pray that you have a working, living Bible that God is sharing 
with you, the deeper things of God, and that you're growing deeper and deeper and deeper. Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.